Well, good morning. We are thankful for the good crowd this morning. Uh, we are thankful for a little break in the, the weather that we certainly need, but it's sometimes a little frustrating to us. We have that beautiful drive over the mountain, of course, from our house uh, whenever we come. And this morning I pointed out and said, look, in the distance, a glowing thing in the clouds. It looks bright. And uh, after a couple of days of rain, uh, we saw a few moments of it peeking out, and we're thankful uh, for the good, the good weather and the break that allows us to be here this morning. And we're certainly thankful for your attendance. We had a, a really good day yesterday for those who were able to go and be a part of the Heart Walk. Uh, we are thankful for all who were able to do that. Uh, we appreciate uh, those who encouraged, and even those of you who were not able to go, but we were able to be encouraged by your prayers and, and those who supported that good cause. Uh, had a good day, such a good day that Missy almost walked her gallbladder out, um, but uh, we're thankful that she is resting and getting the care that she needs, and we're thankful to her even fighting through uh, gallbladder pain, that she is able to lead us in something like that and make sure it was all arranged. We had just a really, really enjoyable day. We got a good couple of days coming up. We hope that you can be a part of any and everything that uh, is for you that fit into your category that you can be a part of. We certainly pray that first and foremost you can be back with us tonight at six o'clock as we have our singing with the North Hamilton congregation here at the building. And I guess not more important than the singing, but there will be eating as well. And we hope that you can stay and be a part of that and our fellowship with them. Uh, Monday, our closed closet is going to be open from 12 to four. We have shared that on social media, tried to get that word out there. Many of you have shared that or liked that. Uh, and we've had several people um, who have kind of liked our page maybe through that, that uh, at least I don't know them. So hope maybe we're making some contacts in the community, people that might be interested in that. And certainly we want to meet physical needs, but we're thankful as well, uh, maybe for an opportunity to meet their spiritual needs as well. Ladies Bible class is Tuesday morning, if you'd lo love to become a part of that for any of our ladies. And then don't forget Wednesday night is our trunk or treat. We'll be here at the building uh, and of course, if it rains then, worst case, we could just maybe come inside and have to do it in the fellowship hall, but, but we'd love for you to come. Uh, adults, plan to maybe decorate your car a little bit, bring some candy, and for our young people, we hope that you'll be with us. Uh, we ask that you not come dressed in your costume to class, but we will give time after class as we dismiss our services for the kids to change and for the adults to prepare. But just several things coming up. We're very active in a lot of different things, both spiritual and maybe some of the things that are fun as well, and we hope that you'll be involved in any of that. But first this morning, we're going to finish up, at least for right now, a series that we began a month ago and asking the question of why. I appreciate the good comments that you've shared. I appreciate the encouragement that you've given to me through these lessons. Uh, it's helpful for us to do this from time to time. It's not that you've never heard a sermon before, maybe, on why we believe in baptism or why we believe the Bible says that a person must be baptized. But it's encouraging to remind ourselves of those things. And for the last few weeks, we have said a couple of different times why it is that we cut the ham the way that we always have because that's the way that mom always did it and grandma always did it and even last week we said why don't we allow the kids to play in the road all right and that seems like those questions are sometimes silly but when we really break down trying to understand why it is that we do that or don't do that there's usually usually a logical answer behind that in our earthly life, there may be a, a, a physical or scientific answer, obviously, of why we don't let our kids play in the road so they don't get hit by a car and killed. But, but with other things, there may be a perfectly good scientific or logical reason why we don't. But when it comes to our spiritual things, why is it that we do and practice and believe certain things? We've talked about those worldly examples, but one of the things that we've not done is talk about what the Bible has to say. 
What's the purpose of discussing any of these things in a lesson? Well, Jesus himself said it this way in John chapter 8 and verse number 32. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Truth is of the utmost importance. It, it is certainly in today's world where people would have you believe that truth doesn't matter and that there is no truth. And so when Jesus says, you shall know and you can know the truth, and that is what will make you free. That is what will set you free from death, in a sense. Then it is important that we understand that. We began a study this morning in our adult Bible class, in adult classroom number one here, on the book of Jude. Jude begins by saying and encouraging the people that he is writing to that they should earnestly contend for the faith. That we should earnestly, obviously, continually be fighting for the faith, the faith system, the faith that was once delivered to all mankind, that Jesus came to this earth and he shed his blood and died and rose again. We should contend for that, not in a contentious way, fighting and calling names and bickering about things, but we should contend for the faith. And then maybe the more familiar passage to you is in 1 Peter chapter 3 in verse number 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready Always Be ready for what, Peter? Why, why do I need to be ready? Be ready for heaven? Yes, I need to be ready for heaven. But be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready always to give an answer for any number of things. If a person says, why are you smiling when you have such a, a bad diagnosis or this bad thing that has happened to you? Why do you take your money and give it away to the local church? Why do you do anything? And we need to know why we do that. Not that we have to know a three-point sermon in book, chapter, and verse necessarily for every single thing and be able just to regurgitate it and spit it out. We need to have an understanding of why it is that we believe and practice and do these things. And Peter gives us that encouragement here. Now, this is where I'm going to have to apologize to the visitors. You pick quite a Sunday to come and hear a lesson this morning here at the Saudi Church of Christ. And I will just note as we begin, though, that the air is working. All right, we didn't cut the air off as we did a while back when it stopped working and it was very hot in here during the sermon. Uh, I don't plan to have smoke come out of the vents, as I think might have happened to Bill once before in a sermon, maybe even a sermon on hell. Uh, there was a mention of maybe the fire cannons like the NFL teams run out to. None of that. Uh, so no, no descriptions here exactly of that from that sense. But it's going to benefit us this morning to think for just a few moments of why we believe that hell is real and that it is eternal. Because you may know some people don't believe it's real. Here's the other interesting thought behind that. Many people don't act like it's real. They live their life in such a way day in and day out that whether it is real or not, they don't really care. It might as well not be real because they're living unfaithfully or they're living in a lost condition. So while this lesson may be somewhat uncomfortable and not one that we enjoy, we don't maybe feel good when we leave. And I, my intention is not to depress you or to make you embarrassed or to feel bad about anything. But this lesson is absolutely pertinent because some people don't believe in it. And of course, many people don't act like it. Let's begin this morning, though, very quickly by touching on how some of the ways in which the Bible describes hell. Just a very uh, quick overview. The Bible describes hell as a lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 10, 14 and 15. It describes hell as a furnace of fire. In Matthew chapter 13, we're almost all familiar with Revelation 21, 8, the idea of brimstone. It is a place that is prepared for the devil and his angels, and it is a place of torment forever. Now, we're going to come back and talk about a few of these in more detail, but this is just an overview, a quick look at some of the things 
that are mentioned in the Bible that describe this place called hell. Now, what we're going to do this morning, and if you have your outline in front of you, is take a look at three reasons, one, two, and three, why it is real, why we believe it is real, but then three uh, reasons, A, B, and C, of why it is eternal. No doubt, much of the world is familiar with these descriptions somewhat. I mean, we think about, you know, horns, we think about the devil, we think about fire and those kinds of things. We're familiar somewhat with, with these descriptions, even if we couldn't name the verses. But this morning, we're after very two simple questions, and we're after very two simple answers. Oops, excuse me. Is it real, and is it eternal? Because it helps that we understand that, and then we make application, and then as we're going to, of course, always do at the end of our lesson, think about sharing that with others. Why do we believe that it is real? Number one, because Jesus said it is real. Now, wait a minute, preacher. You mean meek Jesus? Loving Jesus, meek and kind and loving Jesus said that hell was real? Absolutely, he did. Not only that, but Jesus, meek, kind, loving Jesus, gave us more information on hell than anyone else that we read of in the Bible. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think that's the case? Maybe, just maybe, it's because he didn't want anybody to go there. Eleven of the twelve times that we read the word that is used in the New Testament for hell, eleven of the twelve times, Jesus is the one using it. Maybe it was so important to him that he wanted to get the message across that we not have to spend an eternity there. Why do we believe that hell is real? Because Jesus said it is real. I was afraid that would turn out really dark. But that is the words of Jesus there, the letters in red. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 44. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Another question. Jesus describes here very carefully for us a place where the worm does not die and the fire shall never be quenched. If you've got your Bible, you might notice there, and if you've turned to Mark chapter 9, question, if it is not a real place, if it is not a real place, why would Jesus go to such drastic measures to describe it? He didn't just say, don't go there. He said, if you've got to lose a hand to go there, don't go there and lose your hand. He talks, I believe in this passage, certainly in the passage in Matthew, the parallel passage. If you've got to pluck out an eyeball, pluck out an eyeball to avoid going to hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. How important is it? How real is it? He says this again, not only in verse 44, but in verse number 46 as well. And in verse number 48. Through that whole passage, he's describing with very much a great detail of seriousness don't go there because it is absolutely real. Not only does he give us 11 of the times that the word is used and more information than anyone, but he gives us these drastic measures. We would not ever think of cutting off our hand most of the time to avoid a sin. Jesus says it's better to be without a hand than to have two hands and to be in this place of torment. Jesus said it is real. By the way, that would mean that it's not a matter of fiction. 
It's not something that's just used to, to scare people, to drum up a scare tactic, to give the preacher a chance to stand up in the pulpit and yell every Sunday. We're here around the time of Halloween. We like to scare people. That's not the point. It is not just a place that is used to scare people. It's not just a, a place that some preacher long ago dreamed up in order to have a good illustration and to scare people into going to heaven. That's not what hell is. And by the way, I'll mention to you as well here, and very seriously, it is not a condition or a state of mind. Maybe you've said it, and maybe you've heard somebody say it. This is a living hell. I'm sorry that you might have been unhappy. I'm sorry that you may be in a position in life in which you are uncomfortable and you wish that you weren't in that situation anymore. But hear me very clearly this morning. You have no idea of the suffering that will take place in an eternity of torment and hell for those who are unbelieving and those who are unfaithful. I don't want to be, I'm not trying to be any particular way, but it's not just a condition. We get in situations all the time in that we don't like. They may make us uncomfortable. We wish we were somewhere else or it was somebody else's problem. But to say it's a living hell is as far from what the Bible describes as an eternity in torment as we can imagine. I know that most folks when they say that are just trying to get their point across, but it's not just a condition. It's not just a state of mind. It is absolutely real. And notice here as well, it is a place prepared for the devil and his angels. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 41, a passage that we're familiar with because Jesus here talks about those who would hear the good words of entering into eternal life. And we're going to come back to Matthew 25 in just a few moments but in Matthew 25 and verse number 21, he talks about those on the left hand that he will say unto them, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Notice, hell was never meant for mankind. Hell was never meant for a place for you and for me. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But you better believe from the words that are listed here and from the words of Jesus that if we live our life in such a way that we are guilty of sin, in particular here in Matthew 25, he's talking about the sins of omission, not doing the things that we know that we should do, then you are in danger of the everlasting fire. The place that is prepared for the devil and his angels, but might be our home eternally if we are not found faithful. Why do we believe that hell is real? Because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said it is a real place. Number two, it is placed on an equality with heaven. Now understand me here, and we're going to look at it. If you're still there in Matthew chapter 25, we're going to talk about verse number 46. All right, understand what the screen says. It is placed on an equality with heaven. It is not equal, all right? It is not uh, the two same ways to say the same thing. That's not what I'm talking about. This one is just as good as the other. It's not equal as in same. But understand this. In 2014, the Pew Research Company, and you've probably heard of that, or a Pew Research Poll said that 75% of adults, and I forget, it may have been in the 10,000s, maybe even in the 30,000s, how many other people they interviewed? 2014 Pew Research Poll, 75% of adults believed in heaven. 75% of adults, 60% believed in hell. 
doesn't quite make sense. Doesn't quite add up. How is that? Well, in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 46, Jesus says, And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Now, we're going to come back and break down the Greek in this language, in this, this verse in just a moment. But when Jesus mentions both in this passage, he obviously wants people to believe in heaven. When he says this, he wants people to believe that there is a heaven. And most people believe that they're going to heaven. But if most people deny there is a hell, maybe it's because they believe they're not going there. The discrepancy in 75% and 60% is because many folks say, well, I'm not going there. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. I don't believe it, whether it's true or not. But in Matthew 25 and verse number 46, if heaven is real, then hell is real. If heaven is a myth, if it's just fake and we're here for no reason this morning, then hell is a myth as well. If it's fictitious, if it's something that some preacher long ago made up to get his kids to behave and, and obey him, if heaven is fictitious, then hell is fictitious. Don't, un, don't misunderstand me. It's not that they are equal, but it is placed on inequality. And how you answer that question this morning, if you, whether or not you believe heaven is real, affects whether or not you believe that hell is real. Question, do people believe in heaven? Uh, maybe even more than 75% in some cases, well, that affects what we believe about hell. Number three, it is something to be feared. Not only did Jesus say it is real, not only is it placed on any quality with heaven, but it is something to be feared. If you have your Bible, you can be turning to Matthew chapter 10. I have this screen or this slide verse up here, but it will be dark again as it is written in red. Matthew 10 and verse number 28. Matthew 10 and verse number 28. Jesus says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It is a place to be feared. Born into each one of us, created into us by God the Father, the creator of all things, is an innate sense of self-preservation. Many times we could stick our hand out and save ourselves from something, but we're afraid because we don't want to get our hand cut off or, or maybe injured or something. We kind of, out of a sense of self-preservation, we'll make sure that we don't do something. It's born into us. It's natural to have self-preservation. But don't miss the words of Jesus. There are many earthly troubles that we shouldn't worry about. I understand how terrible cancer is. I understand how many other dreaded diseases there are. But we don't have to worry about those things when it comes to heaven and hell. What we have to worry about is God and what He can do. We don't have to fear someone that can harm us. I get it. I've never stood there with a the gun to my face with someone asking me. I've not been there. I can think how I would answer, but I don't know. And many of us won't be there. But we don't have to fear the gun or the bullet. We don't have to fear the cancer diagnosis or other things. And again, I've not sat there and heard those words. And if you have, I know, I understand how terrible it can be as we've tried to support you. And I'm sorry for anyone who goes through those earthly troubles. But Jesus makes it abundantly clear, do not fear those who can hurt the body. But fear him who can hurt the body and destroy the body, both, in soul, or both soul and body, in hell. We need to worry about God. And not in the sense, as you may think that sounds, but worry about what he is able to do. Hell is is a real place. But let's shift now 
to the idea that hell is eternal. Now, again, you may be looking at me saying, why do we got to talk about this? Why does it matter? I mean, we understand it's eternal, but no, many people don't. Just as we said, many people don't even believe it's real in the first place. There are many folks who will kind of try to find the middle ground. And they'll say, well, you know, we believe it's real, but it's not eternal. There's even some of our own brethren, names that you would know, who may have even preached in this area before, who would say that it's not eternal. The doctrine that's really behind that, that the word that you may have heard before, is the idea of annihilation. Some people would believe that the, the wicked will go to death or when the Lord returns, will then go to judgment. They will be placed into hell or into torment for a designated period of time and then they will be annihilated. Now, there's another 30-minute lesson behind that that we could look at all the reasons and the verses and different things. We don't have time for that this morning. But there are even some of our own brethren who would say hell is not eternal. It's just for a short period of time and then it would be over. Those folks would be annihilated. But let's notice a few things here, and the lesson will be yours. Number one, the same word describes the duration. In Matthew chapter 25, in verse number 46, we looked at this just a moment ago, but Jesus says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal, or into eternal life. Now, you may have heard this verse a hundred times, and it may not have been a big deal to you. What you see on the one hand is that there is everlasting punishment. Not much of a question of what we're referring to there. We're talking about hell. But the word everlasting, the Greek word that is used there is ionios. Ionios. That word means everlasting. So, but what happens is people will take the rest of that verse and they'll see the idea of eternal life and we know that's meaning heaven. And interestingly enough, the same Greek word is used there, ionios. And what's interesting is when we look at these two phrases, and again, there's a whole other lesson on translations and those who would, who would translate the Bible. If you look at the King James and maybe even the New King James, you see everlasting punishment and eternal life. But they are the same Greek word that is used to describe both. Why did they translate it everlasting punishment and eternal life? I really don't have an answer for you this morning. I'm sorry. I can tell you that the Greek word is the same. Ionios. In fact, what's interesting about that word is that in Thayer's Greek lexicon, when you look at that, we oftentimes think of hell as this place that will begin when we die. And that's you know where everybody's going. Or when the Lord returns, hell's going to begin and go for all of eternity. But the Greek word there, Ionios, Thayer describes it in his Greek lexicon as having no beginning and no end. It's eternal. It's everlasting. And if you're sitting here this morning and you have an English standard version in front of you, those translators translated it eternal punishment and eternal life. What we need to understand is that this hell is as eternal as heaven. It's that simple. It's described that way in the Bible. Why do we believe that hell is eternal? Because the same word describes the duration. But number two, the same word describes God. The same word describes God. A couple of passages from Revelation. First of all, Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 9. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to who? To him, capital H, him, that's God, who sits on the throne, who lives, notice, forever and ever. The Greek word there, I own. 
the form of Ionios, Ion, forever and ever. To God who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Question, do people really believe that God is eternal? Most people do. Now turn, and this is a mistake on the slide here as well, Revelation 14, if you're jotting down your notes. I just butchered the PowerPoint today, I apologize. Revelation chapter 14 and verses 10 and 11. The word there got capitalized as well, he, that's not God or Jesus or even the Holy Spirit, but he, a person who has been found to be sinful, or as you see there uh, in Revelation chapter 14, if you've turned to look at that place there, it begins to talk about anyone in verse number 9 who worships the beast and his image he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends i own and i own forever and ever question does god quit existing most folks would say no if god doesn't quit existing torment does not quit existing heaven is real and heaven is eternal but then third and finally this morning, a few points. This is the first couple of blanks that is in your outline there if you have the bulletin. But a couple of descriptions from the Bible. The first one is Mark chapter 9 again. We already looked at this passage. Mark chapter 9 verses 43 and 44. But Jesus here again, the words are in red so they may not be able to be read on the screen. About your hand causing you to sin and cutting it off. At the end, he says it three times here. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. A reference to Isaiah chapter 66. But this is where the worm does not die. The first three blanks that you have there. And the fire is not quenched. Think about a worm. Even just a, a lowly worm. It's got to have food. Like anybody else or anything else, it has to have food to live. When it runs out of food, it dies. A place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched one of the things or discussions that you'll hear around this idea of hell is the word that is used in the new testament is gehenna gehenna was a place outside of jerusalem jesus is referring in a sense to a place that the people would have known it was a place where many fire sacrifices were done these fire sacrifices were done and people would would sacrifice their children on the altar of fire to their little g gods but as well, that place over time became the trash heap. It became the place where all the rubbish and garbage went. And there they would burn it. So they understand this idea of a place where the fire is not quenched. What happens when the fire runs out of garbage? What happens when your fire runs out of wood? Runs out of a fuel source? It dies. We're talking about a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. A place that is Ionios, everlasting, eternal. But then third, or in the third point here, under our third point, there is darkness forever. Darkness forever. There's two passages, and we talked about this in our class this morning. One is Jude 12 and 13. The other is 2 Peter 2. There's a lot of connection between Jude and 2 Peter. But Jude says it this way, and he's talking about these apostates, these false teachers, that these for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. 
Second Peter talks about the same thing with false teachers who would come in among the people. And for them, there is a blackness of darkness forever that is reserved for them. I don't know if you're afraid of the dark. We won't ask for a show of hands. I know most of us would admit that if you're ever here in this building by yourself and it's dark, it's about as scary as it gets. Again, it's a silly example, but it doesn't begin to touch on the blackness of darkness forever. Hell is real and hell is eternal. And it absolutely matters that we understand that. Now, I get a hard time around here often for saying things in lessons that, you know, nobody remembers the main points, but they remember the little little phrase at the end. But I'm going to give you one here right now, and I, I very seriously mean it. I sincerely hope that I just wasted my breath for 30 minutes. I sincerely hope, I do, I hope that I just wasted my time in talking to you about hell being real and eternal. Because I hope no person in this room has to spend an eternity in hell. I hope that we just wasted our time going through all of those verses because it doesn't matter because everyone here this morning and of course many others that I wish, including my own family members, would not have to spend an eternity in hell. All of what we just said doesn't matter in view of the cross. Hell is not a place for mankind. It is a place prepared for the devil and his angels. It's not prepared for you. Don't go there. It's a place prepared for those who are unfaithful and unbelieving. Jesus has died on the cross. Jesus has shed his blood, which begs us the question that we are about to sing. What will you do with Jesus? You see, all of this in view of hell does not matter if we will be found faithful and be able to be in heaven for all of eternity. We don't even have to worry about it. Because in heaven there will be no darkness. In heaven there will be no tears. There will be no dying and no sorrow. We will be with God forever and ever. But we have to be obedient to His simple plan of salvation. And notice as well when we get there in just a moment. And I know you know the song. The very key phrase in the chorus. Neutral you cannot be. You can't be both. You can't be neither. You can't say I abstain. It's one or the other. What will you do with Jesus this morning? Neutral, you cannot be. Would you be found faithful, becoming a child of God, being baptized for the remission of your sins so that you can be added to the church of Christ? Not the Saudi church of Christ because we vote on you, but to the church that belongs to Christ. The church in which you need to be in. You need to be in Christ in order to have all spiritual blessings and to be saved. To to have a, a mansion that is being prepared In heaven, the place that we want to think about. But however, the alternative is true. Hell is real and it is eternal. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Perhaps you've been gospel obedient this morning, but you've wandered away and you worry. Just a little bit, back of your mind, deep down in your soul. Because you know there's sin in your life that separates you from God. Sin doesn't have to, or hell doesn't have to be a place feared in the sense that if we are found faithful, we have the hope of heaven. Don't leave with that hanging around your mind or down in your soul. Be faithful. Be obedient. Come to him to become a Christian or come to him to come back to him. Even now as we stand together and as we sing.